and welcome to the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast, a podcast aimed at making your quilting life more fun and creative while connecting with quilters just like you. Join the staff of the magazines you love for a great episode filled with tips and tricks. Enjoy! Hello, and welcome to the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Mayland, and I'm so excited to be here with you today. Today, we're going to talk about cutting. Now, we don't chat much about cutting fabric on this show, uh, but it's truly a crucial part of the process because without accurate cutting, you can't have accurate blocks. I've heard from some quilters that cutting isn't always a favorite part of the process because it can feel tedious, uh, it's not always fun, and it can take a toll on our bodies after some time. So let's first start with some basics on rotary cutting so you're set up for success. The most ergonomic way you can have your cutting surface set up is for the table to be two to three inches lower than your waist so that you can give direct downward pressure while cutting. If your table is too low, you can use bed risers to lift it to the right height. A few other important safety things to remember is that you should always push the rotary cutter away from you, never toward you, and always close your rotary cutter or put the safety guard up after each cut when you set it down. This was the first and most important thing I was taught when I started sewing, and I've luckily never had a cutting accident, Um, but based on a lot of the emails I got for our Quilting Fails show um, that aired last week, many of you have had cutting accidents, so it just is important to remember to never let our guard down when it comes to using those very sharp objects. So you should be replacing your rotary cutter blade often for the best cuts. And it's not always obvious when to change the blade. So here are a few clues that your blade is dull or maybe has a nick in it. Uh, Could be skipping cutting thread periodically. Um, You may also experience a wrist or hand pain or tension after cutting because you're having to push down much harder than usual to cut the fabric. If you haven't changed your blade in a while, uh, you'll immediately see the difference in ease of cutting once you do. Um, I am like known for never replacing my rotary cutter blade, and I just get so used to pushing harder and harder and harder over like the weeks and months that I use it. Um, So when I finally do switch, I'm like, oh my gosh, like I could have been cutting without any pain or, you know, without sore muscles the next day, if I just would have changed my blade. So if you're like me, we all need to change it just a little more often. Uh, Another thing to watch for is that over time, your cutting mat can have grooves worn into it, which, uh, you know, doesn't leave the blade enough resistance to make clean cuts in some areas of your mat. So if you notice these grooves on your mat, You may want to try flipping it over if it's double-sided, rotating it so you're cutting on the opposite end, or maybe just it's time to buy a new one. So now that we have the basics out of the way, let's dive into some ideas for cutting faster and more efficiently. So make sure your fabric is ironed and crease-free before cutting. This will ensure that you have the most accurate cuts. 
So if I'm cutting small pieces or I plan to cut a few layers of fabric at a time, I'll always spray starch my fabrics before ironing. And starch helps keep your fabrics uh, slightly stiffer and more stabilized uh, just for the cutting and piecing process. To make cutting quick, especially when you're cutting many of the same size pieces, like if your pattern called for 103 inch squares, you can layer multiple pieces of fabric on top of one another. So I suggest no more than three layers of fabric at a time, um, any more than that. And I always seem to think the top layers shift slightly while I'm cutting, but experiment on your own to see how many you can stack and still get accurate cuts. You may want to mark your measurement from the ruler's edge with like a, a washi tape, a painter's tape, so that you can quickly and easily see your cutting lines, uh, especially if your fabrics closely match the color of your cutting mat. So I like to use this technique too when I'm cutting many of what might be like a less obvious measurement on my ruler. For example, maybe one that has an eighth inch or even like a quarter inch mark. Sometimes it's not easy to see those on your ruler and it takes a little more time to line things up. So if you just line that mark with a washing tape, you can really quickly line things up and make the cuts. There are also tools you can buy to help cut multiples. So for example, the Stripology ruler, it's a very popular one. Uh, it has slits in the ruler every half an inch to help you quickly cut across a width of fabric. Uh, you can get a rotating cutting mat and that can help you cut both lengthwise and widthwise with just a turn of that cutting mat. Um, those rotating cutting mats are also really handy for trimming units like triangle squares on all sides because you don't have to reposition the unit to make cuts on all the sides. Uh, you could also get a die cutting machine and uh, die cutting machines can cut up to six layers of fabric at a time and many of the die boards can cut multiple pieces on the same board so it's a really quick way to cut fabrics okay now let's talk about trimming multiple units at once so you can spend a lot of time cutting apart triangle squares or trimming flying geese units or other stitch and flip units uh, before you can even continue pressing and piecing. And that can cause a lot of people to get stuck because it is a tedious and boring process. But here is a hack I learned years ago that changed my quilting life. So to cut multiple triangle squares at once, you can line up the marked line of one sewn pair of squares with a line on your cutting mat. You can add more sewn squares at, along that same line. You want to offset them slightly to reduce the bulk. And then you will carefully place your ruler along the line on your mat, making sure not to shift any of the triangle squares. And then just using your rotary cutter, you cut on the marked lines along your ruler to divide those sewn squares in half. And you can just do that as many times as you need to get through all of them. But instead of cutting one at a time, you actually are cutting, you know, maybe up to 10 at a time. And you can also do the same process with any stitch and flip units like flying geese and snowball blocks. So you would just align the stitching lines along the lines on your cutting mat, but then you'll position your ruler a quarter inch from the stitching line to trim the seam allowances. So speaking of triangle squares, 
If you oversize your units and trim them to size, you can make that process easier by trimming the excess before you press the triangle square open. That way you only have to make two cuts instead of trim all four sides. So there are some different tools for this. I personally use the Clearly Perfect Slotted Trimmers by New Leaf Design, um, which allows you to align the seam line of the triangle square with a line on the ruler and trim it to the correct size. Um, but you can achieve a similar thing by marking a 45 degree diagonal line on your ruler with painter's tape. So for instance, if you need your triangle square to be two and a half inches unfinished, you'll make the tape line from two and a half inches across the top um, and two and a half inches down the side, and you'll do that diagonal between them. And then you just align the tape with the seam line and trim on the two sides. It's so easy. Before we wrap up this cutting tips topic, I wanted to touch on fussy cutting. So fussy cutting is huge right now. It's been huge for a few years, um, and it's a really fun way to customize your quilt and play with your fabrics. So for those who have never heard of the term fussy cutting, it refers to purposely cutting your fabric to highlight a design. Uh, it could be like a novelty print motif that you want to be centered in a block. Uh, it could be a stripe or a directional fabric that you want to show up a certain way in your quilt. So a few things to know, fussy cutting does require more fabric because you're not always making the best use of it when you're, you know, narrowing down the designs you're cutting from the print. So make sure you buy more if you plan to fussy cut multiple motifs from a print. So you want to oversize the yardage from what the pattern says. When you fussy cut motifs, sometimes those motifs end up with bias edges, uh, which can make them distort and make them not as easy to sew. So before you fussy cut, just spray their fabric with some starch to keep those pieces from stretching. Remember that your fabric will lose a quarter inch all the way around your cut piece for the seam allowance. So don't cut your design too close. Uh, it would be sad to accidentally chop off the head of a animal or, you know, another motif um, because you didn't allow that extra seam allowance. So you can purchase acrylic rulers and templates that are made just for fussy cutting common sizes, uh, but you can also make your own by cutting a template from cardboard to help you center your design. And I can post a tutorial for this process in the show notes. Now, obviously there are so many more aspects to cutting that we, um, than the ones we covered on the show. So if there's any other questions, let me know through email at apqpodcast at meredith.com. Uh, we may end up doing a part two on cutting tips. Uh, we could explore, you know, cutting with templates, uh, cutting applique patterns, cutting curves, anything else. So let me know if there's more interest. We're going to take a quick ad break now, but when we get back, we're chatting with Chris Hansen of Modern American Vintage. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back. I'm handing things over to Elizabeth for her chat with Chris Hansen of Modern American Vintage. Chris makes quilting tools like point turners, seam rippers, hair markers, clappers, which I've talked about as a product I love on the show before, and more from gorgeous exotic woods. They're handcrafted and beautifully made and are truly a unique addition to your sewing room. I've known Chris for a few years now, and I'm always so inspired by his passion and enthusiasm for his work. I hope you enjoy hearing more about him and his business. Well, hi, Chris. Thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast and welcome. Thank you, Elizabeth. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I am. I have to tell you, I'm such a big fan of your quilting tools. They are just so stunning. And I've been really looking forward to hearing more about your business, Modern American Vintage. So why don't we just jump right in and have you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and where your passion for woodworking began? Sure. Uh, well, my name is Chris Hansen. I uh, grew up in the, the country back in Illinois. Um, I have always been a huge fan of uh, really any kind of art. You know, I try to dabble in it as much as I possibly can, you know, whatever I have uh, the capability of doing. Uh, I've been drawing ever since I could pick up a crayon, and that's just kind of translated into a whole bunch of different things over the years. Um, I was um, super tight with my grandpa growing up. We spent hours and hours in his garage making like toy swords and cars and trucks and everything. And uh, bird, I actually have uh, the first birdhouse we ever made. I don't know if you could. Oh, wow. I love that you still have that. <laughs> yes. That's perfect. My most prized possessions, actually. My, uh, my mom had the forethought to, like, I was really like upset that we weren't able to put it out for the birds to use in the, in the front yard. But my mom actually had the forethought to just like save it. You, you might want to, you might want to keep it. And yeah. so I'm so glad that she kept that. But, uh, um, <clears throat> but yeah, so we spent a lot of time in the, in the garage, just tinkering, just messing around. And, um, and that just kind of carried through, uh, through the years. And, um, I ended up going to school for, uh, uh, visual effects and motion graphics. So I was a lot of doing a lot of computer work there for a while. Um, and that kind of took me away from, you know, doing the tangible art stuff for a while. And, um, uh, it, it's, it's been amazing to be able to do that kind of, that kind of work. I have so much fun making those, uh, uh you know, explainer videos and just like animated, uh, graphics and everything. But mm -hmm. there's something that is, that, uh, just has to be said about making something tangible with your hands. So yeah. I knew I wanted to get back into some kind of you know art but it needed to pay for itself you know um because my gosh hobbies can be so expensive yeah i think <laughs> all of us quilters can agree with that <laughs> so but yeah um so uh when i when i first got started with this we were living out in las vegas we had been out there for about three years and i was working for a company animating slot machines and when covid hit I, uh, I had a little bit of a, a shop set up in the garage. Just I wanted to make, originally I wanted to make um, just like rustic home decor, you know, just kind of, you know, just tinkering with stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but I was, I was furloughed for a couple months right at the beginning of COVID. So I was like, I'll, I'll be darned. I got to figure out some way to feed my family. <laughs> so, yeah. um, my mom was working at a quilt shop uh, in town there. And uh, they used to do this, this uh, I don't know, 
I'm sure they still do this. They would do a, a weekly D stash video on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, she asked me, or she asked the, uh, the owner if, uh, if I could, you know, sell some, uh, some of my tools. I was making her, I made her a little uh, point turner after hers, uh, broke on her. Mm-hmm. It's a really pretty piece with, uh, spalted koa and quilted maple. And it was beautiful, but, uh, mm-hmm. she showed that to her, her bosses and they're like, yeah, let's, let's, let's bring them on. So I ended up making a bag of like, like 30 or something and they sold out really fast. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah. Maybe You're I like, should... I think I may be onto something here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so <laughs> I kind of just dove into it a little bit more. And, um, and uh, yeah, she showed a lot of her friends. Uh, they showed their friends and it just kind of snowballed with a bunch of little custom orders here and there. So um, yeah, after a while, I was like, what, what, else, what else can I make? So um, I just uh, figured that this, I can make really, really cool things, but it's just, it's just, it just looks like wood, you know, this, I was working with the same kind of stuff that uh, you get from, you know, the Home Depot, big box stores, that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. And I knew that there was, uh, there was different kinds of exotic woods out there. So I just started, you know, just digging into wood trader forums and, and uh, you know, just finding the most amazing, amazing pieces of, you know, material that you could use. That, uh, I was like, I, I, can, I can make something with this. So I've been building up my... My list of contacts for, for materials over the last three years now, and I work with some just awesome people, mm-hmm. really, really good guys. And, um, uh, yeah, that's just kind of where we're at now. I ended up, yeah. uh, um, we decided that we wanted to, you know, take this to a full-time basis. So, um, like, a- after COVID, we realized how vulnerable we were out in the desert. And as much as we loved our time out there, we just wanted to get back to where we could kind of, you know, and grow our own food. We wanted to get some chickens again. So we moved out here to Tennessee. And, okay. You know, silver lining, there's a lot of, uh, lot of lumber, a lot of building material out here. So it just kind of made, made a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. So through caution to the wind, we moved out here to Chattanooga. And, and uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're running full time with this now. So it's uh, a little, little nerve wracking here at the beginning, but my gosh, it's exciting. Yeah, so exciting. I just love how it seems like woodworking and quilting have a lot of similarities. Um, we both like really appreciate, you know, quality craftsmanship and everything that's handmade. And I love that, you know, you've kind of partnered together quilting and wood woodworking into this business you've created. Um, and I was just wondering, since, you know, this is a quilting podcast, I have to ask, are you a quilter yourself or is there your connection through your family and your mom? I think you said was your inspiration. Yeah. She's, she's the big quilter. She started, uh, I mean, she had been quilting for a long, long time, as long as I can remember. She actually just finished a quilt that I think she started when I was like nine or ten. Oh, just wow. like oh, a yeah. few months ago. <laughs> um, and she had just been kind of carrying that around with her. Um, but yeah, it's it turned out fantastic. But uh, she's she kind of picked it back up when my son was born. Um, she made him uh, like an Elizabeth Hartman uh, like woodland animals quilt. Oh. So cute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he, he still loves that thing. And, uh, awesome. um, but yeah, so she, she just, she, she did that and then she just didn't quit. Like, and she just kind of, you know, kept, uh, kept building up her, um, her arsenal of quilting tools and, mm-hmm. uh, um, she's, she's doing, she got a long arm quilting, uh, tool now. So she's really just dived headfirst into yeah. it. It's really fun to watch. She so has she was doing it. Yeah. So she was really your inspiration when you saw like her using this tool that had like broken and you're like, Hey, I can make something for you. That's functional and beautiful. That's the thing. I, I figured 
like my mom, she puts so much time and effort and passion. And I'm, I know everybody else that, uh, that gets into the quilting, um, the quilting world does the same thing. Um, and you guys, you, you put a lot of time and effort into it and you use really, you know, you know, really nice, you know, sewing machines and everything, but you're like a lot of the, um, the handheld notions are just kind of cheap, uninspired, you know, pieces of plastic. And I figured, you know, I, I, I could, uh, there, there's gotta be something that I could do to just kind of make the, the whole process just a little bit more enjoyable, you know? Yeah. And, uh, my gosh, I'm so happy to be, you know, play at least a small part in, in, you know, everybody's passions. It's, it's, it's really cool. It makes, it's, mm-hmm. it's very fulfilling for me. Yeah. So what was, was your first product that you ever made for in the quilting market? Was it that point turner? Um, and yeah. like, where has it grown from there? What do you currently have and make? Oh gosh. Um, so yeah, it started with that, that point turner. Um, then it went to, uh, seam rippers. And at the beginning part there, I was just kind of experimenting with different shapes. Um, you know, I really wanted to try and get a good ergonomic handle that's, that was comfortable to hold. Um, I've had a lot of people uh, reach out to me that have um, arthritis problems with their hands. Mm-hmm. So the stuff that I make, it's it's really thick and easy to hold for people that might have that issue. Um, so then, uh, yeah, I just uh, try to figure out the, 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 the right shapes, the proper shapes, and uh, what was going to be the most comfortable. And then, let's see here, that went to hair markers, and then sort of... Uh, doing uh, weighted clappers. And now I'm working with uh, seam rollers. I'm doing darning mushrooms. I got a uh, whole big box. I got to just toss the final sanding on and, and uh, you know, throw the polish on those, but those are going to be launched here pretty soon. Um, I'm sure you've seen the big 12 by 12 uh, inch uh, quilt block clappers that I've been doing with the different uh, exotics woods. Um, Yeah. And there's a couple other things that I'm working on. It's still still a secret. So you guys stay yeah. tuned for those, but um, okay. <laughs> really, really cool stuff coming up here. Hey, it's Lindsay. I'm so sorry to interrupt, but we have to take a quick ad break. We'll be right back with more from Chris. Do you find a lot of your inspiration um, with each individual piece of art, because each one is like really a, a piece of art, you know, you're looking at it and you're like, wow, I didn't know like wood was so beautiful, you know, and um, do you like, is each one unique because each piece of wood is unique? Oh, big time. Yeah. There's uh, a couple pieces that I'm working on right now. Um, the ambrosia maple, the, the blanche kits. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of that, uh, a lot of the boards that I'm able to find, um, you might have maybe half of the board actually has that, that ambrosia figure in it. So unfortunately that, you know, it does end up coming up with a lot of waste, but I'm able to find that, uh, you know, different ways to utilize that wood. So it doesn't go to waste, you know, use making jigs and stuff like that mm-hmm. um, to make the process easier. But, um, but yeah, each individual board really kind of dictates the design of each individual kit. You know, I want to try and be mindful of the direction of the grain so you don't have, you know, um, you know, randomly, uh, randomly facing, um, uh, grain, uh, uh, grain figures in the handles. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it, it, each is, is very much dictated by the piece of wood that I have on hand. Yeah. And you mentioned your, um, kits and I think you said the Blanche kit, and I love that you put together these kits of, you know, like, was it usually like three products, like a seam ripper, a hair marker and a point turner that all are made out of the same type mm-hmm. of exotic wood and then you give them a name and, and like <laughs> like the ricardo or like i've seen one called the atticus like 
What's the inspiration behind the name? I've always wondered. That was my sister, actually. I, I had an idea I, at the beginning. I wanted to name them like, you know, old vintage slang. Like the first one that I wanted to name was the uh, the ducky shin kicker. Apparently it was like a <laughs> slang for. <laughs> Never for even a heard of that. Dancer. Yeah, it was like a, a 1930s or 1940s slang for a good dancer. Oh, cool. And my sister's like, it's, it's a good idea, Chris, but you're going to run out of ideas, you know, really quick. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so she came up with the idea of, you know, just giving them actual names that were kind of vintage sounding. So mm-hmm. and it's funny because a lot of those vintage names are kind of coming back. So I just scroll through, uh, you know, the, the latest baby names lists that you find on Google mm-hmm. and, and come up with some really good ones. It's, yeah. it's really funny. That's super fun. I love that. And it, you know, it ties back into like your whole like vintage or modern American vintage, like, yeah. you know, that appreciation of like the past, like a little nod to it. It's fairly fun. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. If I, if I had a time machine, I, I would, I would, I'd probably just go back to the 1930s, 1940s. Cause my grandpa, he told me stories. They had so much fun back then. But <laughs> you had to be really self-sufficient and mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was, it was just a, it was just a, a good, a good time in American right. history, I think. Well, yeah. and I, I love that you're keeping the art form of woodworking like alive and well, and then like making it into something unique too, which I think is another thing that quilters um, can really resonate with. Like we have this nod to the past, but we also have made quilting our own and modern with each new generation. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Well, I I, mom, I'm sorry. Ahead. No, go ahead. Yeah. Well, I was just gonna say my, my mom, she's really big into uh, quilts that came out of the World War II era. Mm. So, I mean, there's a lot of different things that I'm going to be working with her on um, coming up here pretty soon. She's got some ideas for, uh, you know, talking about the history of certain blocks and why they came to be. It's just a really, really cool idea that I can't wait to yeah. uh, help her out with and kind of work with her. Um, so it's really, really cool. Yeah, that's exciting. Um, so what would you say is your most popular tool with quilters? Um, it's It's a very close close draw between uh harem markers and clappers okay um yeah. yeah i make a lot of clappers um they're oh my gosh there's so much fun to make you got the a really you know good sized canvas to showcase the most amazing uh grain and figure patterns that nature has to offer it's really really fun to make those mm-hmm. things um, yeah and, and even on your smaller like your seam ripper i'm still amazed by like the beauty in something so small. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. That's awesome. So, um, well, so your products are so beautifully made. And like I said earlier, I really feel like each one of them is truly a work of art, but they're also extremely functional. And you've talked a lot about how they're meant to be used and enjoyed by quilters every day. Like, you know, unfortunately, like sometimes we do have to use our seam ripper every day. So <laughs> we might as well make it beautiful, right? Exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. I was just wondering, is there any maintenance or upkeep with your tools that quilters should be made aware of just to make sure they can enjoy them for like years and years to come since they are this wonderful heirloom quality material? Yeah. Uh, so I use, um, it's called a Howard products feed and wax. It's a wood polishing conditioner. Um, with It's a beeswax and orange oil blend. Mm-hmm. Um, you can get it at any Home Depot or Lowe's. Um, it's, it's really good stuff, but it's a the giant tube. So okay. I mean, if, if you don't, if you don't use that for, uh, you know, you know, waxing all the rest of your furniture in your house, that bottle is going to last you for decades. Really. Okay. So, so um, really low maintenance, really very low maintenance. Yeah. yeah. It's just as long as your, your kit doesn't look like I've, I've heard it uh, described as like looking thirsty. 
Mm -hmm. It starts to, you know, it looks like it's drying up just a little bit. Just uh, take a little tiny dab of that, maybe half the size of a pea on a paper towel, and then just, uh, you know, buff it into the wood and then um, wipe it off with another dry towel, let it sit overnight, you know, so you don't get any like, um, no oil stains on your, Mm -hmm. um, on your quilt and you should be good to go. Um, I'm also working on my own uh, recipe. I'm just trying to get the the oil and beeswax ratios. Uh, you know, I got to figure that out because if it's too oily, then it's never going to dry. If it's too waxy. It's going to feel like plastic and it's not going to feel like actual wood. So yeah. um, just trying to figure out the ratios of those, but we're coming up pretty close. Okay. Um, and those are going to be up for grabs on the website, uh, hopefully within the next month or so. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Okay. Lots of exciting things happening. And um, like you said, you've transitioned to making this full time for you, which is just so exciting. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the holidays are coming up. So I know a lot of people are out there with quilters in their lives looking for great gift ideas. So, um, yeah. Is there anything that you're currently working on that you're really excited to share about? Uh, uh, Oh, yes. Um, I'm working on uh, like, so these, the big 12 by 12 inch clappers, you know, my mom, she was talking to me about like the, the standard uh, size of a quilt block is about 12 by 12, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I just found out about charm squares not too long ago. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to be making um, like five by five, six by six uh, clappers, the same, you know, diff- different uh, uh, designs that I have right now. Um, I've got a whole bunch of those. Uh, just ready to go. I have a couple quilt block uh, patterns on a couple of them. I just have to oh. put the final uh, coat of polish on and then those will be up, you know, hopefully relatively soon. I don't, I, I never feel like I'm pr- quite prepared enough. <laughs> you know, so I'm just trying to uh, uh, be strategic about the timing and the amount of uh, product that I have because, mm-hmm. oh man, this is, this is going to be such an exciting year. Yeah. <laughs> just, oh man. Looking really looking forward to it and looking forward to seeing what everybody thinks about these. Yeah. Oh, well, it sounds like you have some great stuff coming up. Um, where is the best place for people to see your work and to just, you know, be able to follow along with everything that you're doing? I'm pretty, I'm pretty active on my Instagram um, at modern American vintage. There's an underscore between each word. So, um, but if you just type in modern American vintage in the search bar, you should be able to find me pretty easily. Um, otherwise you can go to my website at modernamericanvintage.com. There you'll be able to find, um, you know, just different, uh, uh, all the different kits that I have available mm-hmm. on my homepage. You get a whole bunch of uh, reviews from a lot of the big timers. Oh, yeah. Um, it's so hard for me not to just name drop like crazy right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, have there, um, I mean, what kind of great feedback have you received from like quilters that are in the industry? And you even mentioned earlier, um, a customer that, you know, has arthritis, like, have you gotten some really great feedback over the years and, you know, adapted things as you've heard back feedback from them? Yeah. Um, so yeah, like I try to keep my, um, my tools, a, a really, you know, nice girthy thickness to, you know, you you know, you're holding something that's well-made. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, I might uh, end up with a couple tools here and there that are a little bit thinner, but I just can't throw this piece of wood away that has the most amazing figure you've ever seen, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So you, you might run into those every once in a while, but I try and keep everything, um, relatively, uh, you know, sizable and easy to hold. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, yeah, I got some really great reviews on, uh, my, my on, uh, on Google. Um, 
and then, yeah, I get a lot of uh, good reviews from some of the big timers, like I said. Um, and I don't know if I just have the opportunity to work with the most amazing people in the world, just like a hap- uh, you know, happenstance, or if it's like a prerequisite to just be an amazing person if you're going to jump into the quilting world. <laughs> but the, these people are giving me these, these paragraphs of, you know, reviews. And it's just, it's really kind of humbling to, you know, it, 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 it does take a lot of effort to, you know, go on and, and leave a review these days, you know? So the fact that they're leaving these just amazing reviews, it just, it makes me feel so good. And just, I'm, I'm really happy that I get to do what I get to do. Yeah. Well, your products really stand out. And um, they, like I said, they're just beautiful works of art and, you know, being quilters, we really appreciate everything that's handmade and we know the time and effort that have you've put into, you know, honing this craft that you have. And mm-hmm. it's something that I think quilters really like can resonate with. So your tools are just a joy. We have several of them in the office that I've gotten to <laughs> like hold in my hand and play with and use and use for props and photography. And they're just the most beautiful things to use and to feature. So thank you so much for, you know, helping to bring beauty and function to all of us in the quilting industry. I think it's just really exciting what you're doing. So it's an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. And it's been so great to learn more about you. <laughs> Thanks so much. Appreciate right. it. Bye. See you. Hey, it's Lindsay. Thanks so much to Elizabeth and Chris for that interview. I'm a huge fan of Chris's work, so I hope you check out his website. We'll link to the website and Chris's social media in our show notes in case you need to do some shopping before the holidays. Before we leave, I wanted to share a review of our podcast, and this one is from Beach Glass Shelley. She writes, I'm new to podcasts, and I didn't think this media would lend itself to quilting. Quilting is a hands-on, deeply personal craft, and I couldn't imagine how talking about quilting could ever be as good as actually sewing. Lindsay and her colleagues do a fabulous job bringing helpful tips, relevant content, and up-to-date interviews with the industry's biggest names. I love Lindsay's soothing voice and that she actually responds when you email her a response to one of her polls or questions. I wish I had found the ABQ podcast sooner, but now I'm having a blast catching up on all the episodes. Shelly, what a sweet review. I don't know if I can say that listening to podcasts is better than sewing, but I will take the compliment. So if this review is yours, please email me at apqpodcast at meredith.com. That email is in the show notes. I'd love to send you a gift to say thank you. And if you haven't rated and reviewed our show yet, we'd love you to. Uh, I made a goal to have 400 total reviews by the end of this podcast season because it really helps other quilters find us. So to do so, you can open the Apple Podcasts app on your phone. In the bottom right corner, search for American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast and then click on the show. Scroll down to the rating and review section and leave a star rating. If you're inclined, you can also write a review. Thanks to all of the listeners who are doing this or have done this in the past. It really means a lot. That's it for today's show. Everyone have a great week. All and thanks for listening. Keep in touch. 
American Patchwork and Quilting is on Facebook, Pinterest, and Instagram at All People Quilt. Email us at apqpodcast at meredith.com. Resources for this week can be found at allpeoplequilt.com slash podcast. And if you love the American Patchwork and Quilting podcast, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app for free. And don't forget to rate and review the show. It helps other quilters find us. Have a creative week.